Welcome to special bonus episode 117 with Sean Rea. This is a live stream replay from Wednesday night this week. Sean was kind enough to come on the show for a third time to talk about his progress. This is a guy that probably had one or two properties the first time he came on the show. I think it was like episode 19. And then we had him on again at episode 37. And and uh, what I came up with during the show is that Sean really is just a, a lesson in absolutely crushing it. Every time he comes on the show, he teaches a lesson in crushing it. His mindset's there. Uh, the explosive growth, and I think that's really the right way of describing it, that he's had over the last three years is nothing but exceptional. And he's always great to talk to. The guy keeps an open mind. His attitude is great, as I had mentioned. And uh, I know you're going to get something out of this. In this episode, he's talking about investing in Belize. He talks about a few of the absolute grand slam investments that he's had back in the Niagara region. And uh, like I said, overall, just crushing it. Always great to talk to him. In the future, if you can make it for these live stream episodes, you actually have an opportunity to ask your own questions and get them answered on the show. So that's what we did here. We had several people ask questions and answer those questions on the show. I'm going to be doing more of this format. So if you have specific types of guests that you would like to see in a live format, they'll typically be on a Wednesday night around 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Just let me know. Send me a message on Instagram and tell me who you'd like to see. And I will see about making that happen. Uh, If you don't have a specific guest, but you have a specific topic, you can also let me know that as well. As always, if you're new to the podcast, I recommend going right back to episode one where the fundamentals were taught. Those first 10 episodes are very foundational. And if there's certain terminology that I'm using that you're not following or something along those lines or you just feel like you need to get more of a basis before you can proceed in listening to these episodes, I I strongly recommend going right back to the beginning. And if you watch the YouTube versions, you'll actually see some of the spreadsheets that were specifically included there as well. And since you're an audio listener of this podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you would take a moment and rate and review this podcast on apple Podcasts. it'll just help more people to find the show thank you very much for being a loyal listener without further ado please enjoy special bonus episode 117 with sean rea this is the live version of the andrew hines real estate investing podcast which uh, this is round two and uh, sean thank you so much for doing this yeah man i'm super excited this is actually the third time i've been on this yeah that's crazy you're yeah. the only three pete you're the only am, the am only i guy. am i the yeah, first no one, one else has done three yeah yes yes <laughs> but you were on early right you were on uh first 20 episodes and then again uh 37 i think you were on and, yeah uh, man actually i think when i came on and this is this is so good for people to see is that you'll see you'll see actually like the mindset perspective shift on how I was thinking before and how I'm thinking now and when when I first started um I think I was on your podcast after I just bought like my first duplex it's like my first or second duplex yeah yeah you've come a long way and now how many properties are yeah are you at now uh, well, I started doing some land acquisitions, but like real estate, physical, you know, brick and mortar, um, it's like 16 buildings, um, like 45 rental units or something like that. Wow, man, you've been crushing it. I think you're doing some stuff with, uh, with Jacob Perez as well. Are you not? Yeah, Jake, you know what, Jacob, shout out to Jacob. I love giving Jacob a shout out because I, I got to say that Jacob Perez at Synergy Mortgage he li- literally changed my life. Like if I didn't meet that guy three years ago, I don't think I'd be where I am now. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he's got, uh, he's got a good mindset too and he's crushing it. And, uh, you guys are both multiple, uh, podcast guests. So, uh, been been doing it well so you guys bought that eight unit building together i think in uh sarnia area yep okay yeah we bought that last year um i think he broke down the numbers on his last uh, podcast with you yeah. on you know what what it looks like whatever. but it's a, it was a great investment it was yeah. a covid special awesome okay so sean walk through just a quick like elevator pitch where you started to where you are now in kind of 30 uh 30 to 60 seconds Okay, so elevator pitch. Um, about three years ago, I bought my first duplex that um, that was like an initial investment property. I bought that in the Niagara region. My focus has been in the Niagara region for the past three years. Um, so going back just a little bit before that, because I need to share this, because I, I need people to understand that like I started with zero. I started with zero dollars in my pocket. I was probably negative $25,000 on credit cards. Um, and I didn't know how to get out and I didn't know how to escape. And it took me educating myself, reading the right books and everything to get into real estate investing. And what I did was three years ago, I bought my first duplex and I bird that. So if you don't know what the birth strategy is, just watch some other episodes. You'll, you'll learn what it is, but the birth strategy was how I executed my first investment. I did that seven times on my own before I started partnering with other people. So I, I re-rinsed, repeated using capital that I had, purchasing properties, renting them out, refurbishing them, uh, refinancing them, and then repeating it. And I did that multiple times over several properties. And once I was able to do that, that's what attracted joint venture capital. So that's what attracted other people to say, Sean, I want to invest with you. How can I do that? And that's how I was able to scale my portfolio to where it is now. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's so important to have that litmus test, like to be able to show people you're doing it because people are attracted to action when they see it happening. They see you, you having success. They want to be a part of it and, and they think they believe you can recreate it for them, right? It, it helps raise their belief level in terms of what, what can be done, what you can do with them or for them. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's basically proof of concept, right? So for you to do anything in life, you need to have a proof of concept that you've done something and you can repeat it and you can do it again and again. And if you have that, then somebody else is going to believe in you. And they're gonna say, you know what, Sean or Andrew or so and so has done this repeatedly time and time and time again. So I trust and I have faith that if I put my money to invest in this, then I think that they can execute and they can deliver and do it again. If you've never invested in real estate and you're looking for joint venture capital and you have no proof of concept and you've just like went to a seminar for a weekend and you spent $5,000 and you think you're good to go. I don't know. I don't know if that's the right move. Yeah. Probably not the responsible move either. I know we've talked about this on the show before, but I mean, if you're not, if you're not confident in what you can do, you shouldn't be borrowing other people's money. So you might need to be the apprentice for a little while and, and uh, go work for someone or, or, you know, pay for the coaching or whatever works for you. So uh, that make per- makes perfect sense. So anyone watching and not catching the replay uh, via audio, will see that you've got some palm trees in the background. Uh, tell us where you're at. I'm in San Pedro, Ambergris Key. Um, so if you don't know where that is, it's a little Island off the coast of Belize. Um, it's like a 15 minute flight from the coast. Um, and it's like beautiful Island. Um, I feel like COVID doesn't really exist here. We're, we won't talk much about COVID, but it's uh, just different lifestyle here. Um, uh, very, very different. Mm-hmm. People are friendly. Food is great. Uh, lots of entertainment, good real estate investing. If you're into real estate investing, cause you're watching this, it's a good place to yeah. invest in real estate. Um, Yeah. 
Why is it a good place to invest? Tell me, tell me what you like about it, what you don't like about it. So what I realized from the first podcast, when I spoke with you, Andrew, I was trying to create financial freedom for myself. Right. And we've talked about cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, and how important cash flow is. Right. We want, why do we want cash flow? Do we want cash flow just because we want the paper or do we want cash flow because we want freedom? Mm -hmm. Right. And the reality is, is that the money isn't important. It's the freedom that we want. We want the freedom to have time to do whatever we want with our time and cash and money is what creates that freedom. So when I first started, I was focused on cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. How can I build more cash flow? How can I buy more assets that create cash flow? And once I hit a certain number, whatever that number is for yourself, right? Some people might say it's 2000 a month. Some people might say it's 5,000, 10,000, 50,000, a hundred thousand, whatever the number is. Once you hit that, you've reached, you've reached like a certain freedom for yourself. Mm -hmm. And what, I want to focus on now. I have three, I have three daughters. Um, I have a wife, you know, we're, we have a big family, not a huge family, but it's a decent sized family. It's almost a soccer team. Um, and I want to create some type of lifestyle that everyone can enjoy, not just like working, 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 hustling to buy more properties, hustling to make more cash flow. I wanted to actually enjoy the money that I've been making. So I moved here, not, I I didn't move here. I moved my, some of my investments here and I started buying some real estate here. And um, yeah, so that's why I'm here right now. Do you see cash flow being a a reasonable expectation where you are? Yes. So there's definitely ways that you can make cash flow. Um, I started investing here about a year ago. So a year and a half ago, almost a January of 2020 was when I bought my first asset here. And I didn't know exactly how I was going to cash flow, but I knew I needed to invest in here because I talked to another investor who started here about 20 years ago and retired himself. And so, you know how we talk about don't reinvent the wheel? Yeah. So I didn't want to reinvent the wheel. So I asked him, how did you retire yourself off of land on an island? And he explained it to me. And it's really, really simple. There's no secret. You buy land for cash and then you sell it to somebody else who doesn't have the cash, but you give them a VTB and you're the bank. It's as simple as that. You're buying, repeat that again. I buy land for cash. Then I sell it to somebody else who doesn't have the cash to pay for whatever I'm asking for. So let's say I buy something at 50. I'm going to sell it at a hundred. Somebody doesn't have a hundred, but they have 20,000. So they can give me a $20,000 down payment. And then I will be the bank and I will give them an 80% VTB on that land for 30 years. And that's okay. how I get cash flow. And are you, what kind of interest rate would you do that at? 10%. The, the one that I did this week is a 10% interest rate for 30 years. 10% on a 30 year amortization. Yeah. Okay. And that's easy to do for anyone wondering, like you can actually just go to an amortization table and then you, you literally send that to both parties and you guys agree, this is how the payments break down. Exactly. You're on the same page. So that's not as hard as it might seem to anybody. Uh, it's really, really no. simple with online mortgage calculators. Yeah. Super, super simple. That's one way that you can make cash flow. The other one, which is obviously what more people are knowledgeable about and know how to do is you yeah. just buy a property here and you short-term rental it through Airbnb. Yeah. So you can definitely do that. Uh, just going to pause from this for just a second, guys, if you're, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, just let us know where you're watching from, uh, in the comments there, 
um, Shauna, you can, you can, uh, watch as well. And then guys, if you have questions, you want to ask Shauna a question, this is interactive. We're not just doing this live, uh, for the say, you know, for the heck of it. Um, so ask us a question. If you're wondering about how Sean does it in Belize, maybe wondering about how he's filing his taxes or whatever, any question you've got, um, go ahead. I'll keep asking the questions that come to my mind though. Um, so on that note, what are you noticing is like just a lot of extra work for you from the international element, like investing in Belize versus what you were doing back home uh, in the Niagara region? So one barrier that I was able to get over, which was in in the Niagara region, I've been managing, let's say 70% of my portfolio. The other 30% has been handed off to property management. That Mm -hmm. 70% was because it's so close to me. It's literally like a 15 minute drive. And like, there's many other investors that we know that say, you know, I keep all my properties close together so that I can just drive to all of them and I can like do stuff quickly. So I keep them all in the same spot. So I had that same mentality. And what I realized from coming here was that as soon as I left here, I had, I had, I set it up kind of in advance. So what I did was I, I told all of my tenants who had my phone number and had been texting me that they're no longer going to be able to reach me at all periods through phone. They will have to send me an email address and that's the only way they can communicate with me. And then I told my handymans that any email that comes through to me for any maintenance requests, I will just be forwarding that directly to them with the address. So that was my first like thought of how I can manage stuff. Right. And I ended up doing that. I've been here for like five weeks now. It's been working okay. But what I realized was some of my tenants who don't normally pay on time, they didn't text me. They didn't email me that they're not paying and I'm not texting them back either. So I wasn't getting payments for like a couple of my properties. So what I did was I called a property management company, a friend of mine who owns a property management company. And the biggest, the biggest uh, pain in the butt units that I have, I handed those off to property management this month. That's and I just said, I'm just not going to deal with it. And I'm, and I'm going to let them collect rent. Although they can collect the rent for me. Some, some properties are just inherently easier to manage than others. Yeah. I, I, I really find that like my certain student rentals, they're so easy. I would never really need management. Like I just have somebody I can call or a handyman. I can send stuff off, but there are other, there are other properties that just turn over every year for whatever reason. And they're yeah. just a pain, you know, just the tenant type they attract. So good on you for kind of identifying those and just eliminating them. Right. It's like the 80, 20 rule, right? Those, those maybe 20% of problematic properties by delegating it off, you eliminate 80% of your headaches. Yes, exactly. And so with that being done now, I feel like I, I feel like my mind is a lot clearer with what I'm doing here. And, uh, and I've been able to actually focus on some investments here. And in the last five weeks that I've been here, I've purchased more real estate while I'm here. And, uh, it, and it's just I feel I feel like very focused, you know, because I'm not having to think about the stuff I have over there. So I can focus on what I'm doing here. And um, yeah, I don't know, man, I just feel like everything's aligning, you know, Okay, we're going to crunch the numbers on kind of what one of those those purchases look like in just a second. But there are some questions here. So, uh, so I don't, I'm uh, not seeing the questions. So they're on the um, the actual YouTube stream. If you uh, if you go to my YouTube channel, you should see it. I can I can share the link with you on uh, on Zoom here. Okay, let's just see here in the chat. Okay, it's in the chat on Zoom. Right. Uh, just mute it when you click through. Otherwise, you'll get feedback. Okay. But um, okay, so Colton asked uh, Sean, "Would you move to Belize one day for good? And if so, would you become a real estate agent?" Um, okay, so moving, moving. 
Why? There we go. I gotta mute that. All right. Um, okay, so Sean, would you move to Belize for good one day? If so, would you become a real estate agent? So would I move here full time? No. Um, this is definitely more of like a lifestyle choice to enjoy the weather. Um, you know, you're in Florida. Are you still in Florida, Andrew? Yeah, I'm still in Florida. Okay, so Florida, you know, it's, sim- it's kind of similar like tropical weather, right? So definitely I could be here for six months of the year during the winter in Canada, but I still call Canada home. I love Canada and uh, Canada will always be, you know, my number one spot. So I'm always going to keep a house in Canada and I'll, I'll I'll probably always be planning to be there for the summers and stuff like that. Um, So no, I I wouldn't be here all year round. This is, this is more of like a lifestyle enjoyment for pleasure come out have a boat you know go out in the ocean do stuff like that yeah yeah that's that's kind of where i would ideally be but i mean with what's going on in canada right now it kind of makes me rethink that a bit but uh yeah certainly i do enjoy i mean this these last three months have been unreal uh just the sunny weather like i'd say 98 percent of days are sunshine which is just so uplifting and so you know happy (laughs) so yeah I'm, i'm into that um anyway so what what currency are you using in Belize? Do they have their own their own currency? Yeah, they have they have uh, Belizean dollars, but they're pegged to the U.S. dollar. So, um, what is it? Two dollars Belize is one U.S. So you can use it's it's U.S. currency here. So you can you can just use U.S. currency. So when you say you're buying for a hundred or buying for fifty thousand dollars, are you talking fifty thousand U.S.? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 50,000 us, uh, something you're buying. And then what's the monthly payment you're going to make on that can, uh, combining principal and interest. There's no financing here. No, I'm saying, but you're, you're financing somebody else. So I'm saying, oh, what's the, yeah. so if I, if I was to, if I was to sell that to somebody. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think the number that I just did was on a hundred thousand. So if, uh, selling at a hundred thousand, you're getting 720 us or 702 yeah. us dollars per month. Not bad. Um, and they would build their own house years. on it or would they, would they be doing like a trailer or, um, you know, yeah, they could, they like could, that. They could technically do whatever they want. Um, if they default on the payment after 45 days, you you take ownership again and they lose yeah. their rights to it and they lose all their money. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, so similar laws to here, like you, you have, you have recourse if they don't pay. Yeah. It's fee simple okay. title. So anything that you buy here is the exact same. They use, it's British common law. So it's fee simple title, okay. the same as Canada. Oh, okay. All right. So we got a few, a uh, few more questions here. So uh, how does your financing work? Well, I guess you don't have it. So you no no chance of getting any kind of financing anywhere. You can, but seller financing. So if you wanted to get financing, you would talk to another investor who owns something cash and then they would yeah. finance it for you. So I, I'm trying to be on the other side where I'm financing it. I'm financing it for other people. You're financing it for other people, but there's no institutional financing down there for anyone or just not for uh, foreigners? Not for foreigners. Um, and if you can get it through like, let's say Belize Bank, you're literally looking at 50% down with like a 15% interest rate. So okay. you just, so it's, it's not, not great. no, it's horrible. Okay. So most people are buying cash then. You yeah. get a lot of cash investors. Yeah. Is yeah. it a lot of kind of like wealthy foreigners that are coming to Belize? Yes. All right. And uh, we had a question here from Bullrun, uh, who prepares your taxes? Oh, nice. <laughs> What's the question? Let's see. Uh, here, let who prepares see. your taxes is what he asked. Oh, oh, I thought I thought it was my accountant. <laughs> oh. Uh, who prepares my taxes? So I have, uh, what's, what's his name? 
I, I can send it to you, but he's a guy in uh, Niagara region. He's over in Welland and uh, he does all my taxes. So the interesting thing, since, since we're talking about taxes, is that because you own real estate here, whether it's land, whether it's a condo, a hotel, a resort, whatever it is that you own, you can deduct 50% of your airfare uh, as a business expense. You can deduct 0% of your hotel and accommodations, and you can deduct 50% of your uh, food and entertainment. Okay. Under under Canadian law, because yeah. you have a property here. Okay. And are you having to file something in Belize as well? Or are you just file in Canada? No, you just file in Canada. Okay. So there's no, no income tax uh, implication on you in Belize at all? No, there's no income tax or capital gains here. Oh, they don't have income tax. So that's actually a good place to be. Yeah. This is like a tax haven for a lot of people. Well, it sounds like I need to start investing in Belize. <laughs> is it hard to become a resident there? Uh, 50 weeks out of the year. So stay here for five months and three weeks, go back for a week, stay for another five months, three weeks, you get residency. Okay. Interesting. Why are more people talking about Belize then? I've met a lot of investors in the last five weeks that are investing here. Um, but maybe in our group, right? Maybe in our group, there's not tons. Um, but I just had lunch with another Canadian from, uh, the GTA who's, uh, who's been investing here. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay, guys, um, if you don't mind, just so more people find this video, if you haven't already, just hit that like button just so that we can get this uh, video out there a bit further. Uh, more people can hear what Sean has to say. But we've got more questions rolling in. And by all means, if you have any question at all to Sean or myself, um, go ahead and share it. So Troy Barnes asking, uh, in Niagara for a single family home uh, to have a, a second suite, one must be owner occupied. Are there ways around that? Is that true? Uh, so in Niagara for single family homes to have a second suite, one must be owner occupied. Are there? No, that's not true. So I, I've never heard that. Yeah, I've never heard that. No. So if you get, let's say you're investing in Welland, Ontario, um, R1 zoning, you're good. Any house in Welland, Ontario that R1 zone, that's R1 zone, you can build a secondary suite. So like any bungalow that you're looking mm -hmm. at, you can build a secondary suite. Um, St. Catharines, usually you want R2 zoning. Um, but single family home with R2 zoning, you can build a secondary suite. It's, it's really easy actually to do duplex conversions okay. in the Niagara region. That's good to know. Um, okay. So let's go through some numbers here. Uh, we're going to, we're going to do a little bit of Niagara talk and then we're going to do, yeah. we're going to do some, uh, some Belize talk too. So, uh, starting with one of these lots, I just want to kind of crunch. You said you'd be getting 700 and change. I guess like you're not borrowing that money or are you like the 50, 50,000. So that's just you taking your own investment. So you're creating $700,000 of cash flow, or sorry, $700, not thousand. That'd be great. That'd be amazing. <laughs> 700,000 would be awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So right now my strategy is, and I was literally talking to the owner of Coldwell Bank in Beverly Hills, California, in the pool right here, like about 30 minutes ago. And she told me that in 2008, the exact same shit, sorry, I didn't mean to swear, exact same okay. thing happened in 2008, where everybody was like, just buying, 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 and they were overpaying, 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 and everything crashed. And she saw it, and she's like, she refinanced everything and moved her investments, and she started buying here, but that was like a long time ago. That was like 13 years ago. So she's, she's predicting something similar happening again? Yeah. 
see to me it's so hard to 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 look at this and say it's the same as what's happened in the past because yeah in 2008 like the crash there was no there was no inflation bubble really coming up to that like i guess in a way you could argue that the excess loans that really should never have happened kind of created a bit of inflation because they created a little too much money in the market but what's happened this time around is there's just no precedent so I mean, everything's gone up in costs, like every building material that goes into houses. Um, what's your take? Do you, do you see a correction coming in Canada? Do you, do you think things just carry on and continue? Or are you kind of waiting it out and, and going to hold off on purchasing and, and wait for a correction? Um, so I want to be positioned. This is my advice. Is I wouldn't sell everything that you have just because you think there's a crash coming, but I would make sure that you position yourself well so that if there is a correction, you can take advantage of it. Yeah. That's the the delicate balance that I'm trying to take is uh, figure out just how much I want to have in cash because cash is absolutely trash right now. Like you're losing purchasing power, but at the same time to buy into negative cash flow real estate, I can't justify. So no. So it's like, what do I do? Precious metals, a little bit of some other stuff. Maybe I should get more into the stock side of things. Um, but to me, I, I like real estate. Real estate's where I want my money. So I'm the type of guy that looks to other markets. I see you doing that. Uh, I want to go find where their cash flow is in real estate. So yeah, I guess you've sort of found that. Yeah, and it's different, right? Because I'm not levered here. So I have zero leverage, um, which sucks. So I have, I have literally zero leverage. Um, but one thing that I have been doing, which some of my partners know because they're partnered with me on stuff down here, is I took the same strategy that I was implementing. And like literally anybody can do this. And this is why like I like to go on and stuff like this and talk. That bird almost hit my head. That's crazy. Yeah, I saw um, <laughs> I like to go and talk about this stuff because people will will see that, hey, like there's actually other ways that you can make cash flow. It doesn't have to be this way or this way or this way. There's like, there's just an infinite amount of ways. And so what I did was I took the same strategy that we've been doing in Ontario as investors, um, where we're finding capital from joint venture partnerships, bringing that capital in, and then we're helping investors get into the real estate game. We're giving them a return on, you know, their investment, whether it's a cash on cash or total ROI or equity or whatever it is. But I'm doing that here now in Belize. So I started on my own and I started buying plots of land and parcels of land here. And then I realized, you know what, why not bring in some other people? Why not bring in friends or family or partners who also want to invest and maybe want to build down here or maybe want to have a house down here one day and I'll bring them in as JVs. And so the way that I've structured my joint venture deals down here is I'll find a really good deal. Something that I know on the market will sell for, let's say 50,000 and I'll find it for 25,000. And then I'll bring in a partner and I'll still put 25, 30% of the money in. And then I'll ask my partner to bring 60, 70, 75% of the money. And then we buy it cash. And that's how I've been structuring my joint ventures. And then we have a 50, 50 split of ownership and the exit strategy is a, you just flip it. So we, we just sell it for like a single amount. Somebody buys it cash or we sell it with vendor financing, or we build something on there because the labor is really cheap here. It doesn't cost a lot to build. And then we can build like a cabana like this thing back here for like 20,000 and you can rent that out. So for sort of $20,000 investment, you can build something that you can rent out. Yeah. Do you have municipal water or any of that stuff, or do you need to actually um, to, dig to a well? Where you, yeah. Depending where you buy. So in the secret beach area that I've been buying, there's no services there. But in town where I just bought this week uh, on the canal, we have all the services. Sean, check the questions while I restart my camera. Okay. 
um, R1C zoning, REFTV is 40K in Canadian enough to invest in Niagara or Hamilton? Uh, Troy answered, not well, and I talked to bylaw officer in Niagara Falls. Thanks for your response. So, uh, yeah, so Niagara Falls is not the same city as well, and so Niagara Falls is totally different bylaws. Um, I personally don't own anything in Niagara Falls um, in the actual city of Niagara Falls. So, if that's true, though, that, that actually gives a good reason not to own in Niagara Falls. Yeah, that's, that's, one of the reason, that's one of the reasons most people don't buy in Niagara Falls is because their zoning is, uh, is really hard to get... Uh, Get, to work with, uh, right? yeah to work with yeah um so yeah a lot of people don't buy for that reason so troy you're absolutely right and re up tv asks 40k can you enough to invest in niagara or hamilton uh niagara probably not hamilton definitely not yeah i mean 40k represents 20 percent down on a on a 200 right um that's not that's not a lot but maybe you could pair that up with somebody else uh, yeah maybe i mean if you've got some leverage against other real estate you own, you could do a second mortgage on that and get the rest. Like when I really hit the ground running in 2015, I had no cash and just a whole bunch of debt. And uh, I I basically levered up an existing property I had and put no money into the deal. I got construction financing, did everything and turned it into a profitable deal. And everything since then has really just been borrowed money until yeah. I built up my own base of money. And uh, so there's definitely a will. Where there's a will, there's a way. 100%. Yeah. A hundred percent. But the reality is, is that our market has changed so much right now that when we, when, when I was on your podcast the first time, I bought my first duplex for 153,000 that I negotiated from 299. Right. That doesn't happen anymore. No. Well, it's just, it's just a lack of housing for compared to the demand, huge lack of housing. Yeah. Um, So it's just, it's hard. It's way harder now. I've seen, I've seen people share me some statistics that month to month we're, we're down a little bit um, in terms of average sale price in, in the greater Toronto area. So it looks like things are starting to cool off a touch and uh, maybe that allows more people to get into the market. I don't know what to expect. I don't know if I, I see a big correction happening or not. Um, it, it's so hard to say. Um, I think a big driver would be if we say that lockdown long enough and if people have an impact on their pension funds or if they start to see you know the markets crash, that I think you know, could frighten people to stop spending. And if people stop spending, then we could see our market contract. So there's so many yeah. ifs. It's so hard to know what's going to happen. Um, oh, yeah. We're just going to have to keep our eyes open and and, uh, and see what happens next. But um, have you done any deals lately in in the Niagara region or in Canada? Like what's what's the last thing you, you bought? Probably something since we last, uh, we last talked, other than the Aplex, because we already heard about that one. Yeah, so uh, I've bought a lot. Um, yeah. I bought several, literally every single property that I bought, I've bird, I think, except the last one. I haven't bird that one yet. But um, yeah, so there was, there was a fourplex that I bought off market. Um, I think I paid 240 for a fourplex and it appraised at 600, like six weeks later. Like without you doing anything? No, I spent 60,000 on renos. Okay, so, so we'll take that one, for example. You bought a fourplex in Welland? Um, Port Colburn. Port Colburn, okay, 60,000 in any carrying costs on top of that or that 60,000 covered everything? Uh, 60,000 was this, it was six weeks of reno. Um, and like, yeah, like it was just 60,000. That was like everything. Okay. Okay. So, so you're in for, for about 300,000 new value of 600. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And you got a new mortgage of 80%. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Okay. So we'll do this as an example. So, um, I might as well actually share this. 
I'll, I'll just share this since, since we're live. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm going to share my screen. So advanced sharing options. Oops, share screen. And I'm just going to share my uh, spreadsheet. Okay, so this will look familiar. Anyone who uses my spreadsheet, it can you can grab this on my website. But um, anyway, so I just made this little box up on the side. You can just type this in yourself. This is the main important part for the cash flow. But anyway, so purchase for $240,000, $60,000 reno, no carrying or planner. I'm not doing anything with that. So purchase and reno is three hundred. And then uh, 600 grand uh, new value. And then I just have a little formula in here for 80%. So 480. So you're, you're negative $180,000 on that deal. Like you get $180,000 back. Yeah, it was around there, like 185 or something like that. I feel like every time I talk to you, you have a story like that. Like, oh, we put 100 <laughs> grand in our pocket. We put 200 grand in our pocket. This is where all that money for Belize comes from. So um, anyways, what are, you, what are your gross rents on that? Um, um, all right. So I'm, I'm pretty good with my numbers. So I have uh, 12. I got to do a breakdown because I don't know the I don't know the gross. Off the yeah, top just of my tell head. me so, the units. Yeah. So I'm at like 750, 700. Those are the two we kept. 1250, okay. 1200. Two new units. Okay, so people get a live demonstration of how I use this sheet. Uh, for vacancy, I'll just throw in 2%, but I yeah. probably won't have much. Uh, for taxes, what do you got? 3,000, they're low. Okay, so taxes, we're gonna put those at 3,000. Um, insurance? 2,500. Okay, maintenance? Uh, 5%. 5%, we'll leave that as is. Uh, anything for water or any other utilities? Yeah, yeah. Water, we're paying yeah, like three the three thousand bucks around there. Three thousand, and um, then um, I'm managing it. Okay, so we'll leave that at zero. And then uh, lawn cutting, snow remo- removal. No, there isn't any. There's okay. there's no parking or lawn or anything. All right, so for that, I'm I'm going to throw in our other utilities. Do you have other utilities you pay? Yeah, there's hydro. So for two of the units, we pay hydro, and that comes in about like. I want to say 300 a month. So we're like 3,600 for hydro. We've got to get rid of that. But Okay. And then miscellaneous, anything else that you're paying for? Or... No. We'll just, we'll, we'll leave 500 bucks there just in case. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is obviously numbers are subbed in here from last thing I calculated. Uh, but we'll just go ahead and sh- sub this in at the new value, the, the 600,000. Uh, so 80% of that, 30-year amortization. What kind of mortgage did you get on that? What kind of rate? 1.65. 1. Oh my goodness. This is some good numbers. Okay, so you can see the monthly payment here. Anybody watching this on YouTube and uh, Sean is getting 880 bucks cash flow on something that paid him $180,000. It's, it's yeah. hard not to be in this business when you make those kind of numbers. Uh, okay, so something to look at here. I've got... Um, total return breakdown. So we've got 3% appreciation. Obviously that's low. Things have been going up more than that, but I, I don't like to bank on more than that. Uh, then we've got our mortgage pay down, which I just do an average over the five years. So it's 13 grand a year roughly. And then we've got cash flow of 10, six. So your total return on that's 41 grand and uh, you've got negative into it. So we can't really calculate this isn't accurate. So it would actually be a big negative number. So there's no return on investment. You're uh, <laughs> You're just crushing it on that one. So anyways, that, one, I, that one's not bad. I mean, it's not, it's not, not bad. It's literally a grand slam. I, I won't, that's a grand I won't, slam. It's a yeah. grand slam. Yeah. yeah so the, that's not, people normal. can't expect that every time. No. no, 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 no. That's, that's probably like one of my best one. Yeah. That's probably like my single best deal. Um, yeah. I mean, that sounds like, I can't, I can't believe you did that. So what was the secret? Why'd you find that? Like what allowed you to find that and others not to? Oh, so I got, I got a little bit of a story behind it, but, um, so I started mentoring and coaching people last year, 2020. 
um, after I had done 10, 12 properties um, on my own and I brought in some joint ventures, I, I lost my job. Did I tell you, Andrew, I lost my job last year. So I, I, got, I, got, I got laid off from my job okay, at the beginning of COVID. So, so they, they laid me off in like February, March of last year. And I'm sitting at home and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing with my life? Right. And so I, I started just like literally doing like coaching calls and mentoring and talking to other investors. And then I went to get, I got my real estate license last year. Well, I studied last year and I just got it like two, three months ago. So I'm a realtor now. Um, but that was all because I got laid off. So I got laid off and I started coaching, mentoring, teaching people how to do stuff. And one of my, one of my, uh, one of my guys that I was like talking to and helping out with real estate was like, Sean, I got a duplex that I want you to come look at in Port Colburn. I went and looked at it and to help him out and say, like, say, Hey, is this a good deal? A bad deal? Whatever. And, um, long story short, the duplex, the guy wanted 200,000. It needed a hundred thousand dollars worth of renovation. I told this guy that was a buddy of mine that if you spend a hundred thousand and you're buying at two, you're in it for three. The ARV is probably only like three twenty. It's not worth it. It's not worth the headache. So I told him if you want to buy it, offer him one hundred and thirty. Um, and so the guy wasn't interested at one hundred and thirty. But during that conversation, the owner was there, and I said if you have any other rental properties that you want to offload, let me know. And I got in touch with him after the fact. And uh, he told me about this fourplex that he wanted to get rid of. I went and met him at the property. It was like really run down, but I knew I could take it on. And um, I think he asked for 290,000 on the spot. I said, I'll give you an offer on the spot. You tell me what you want for it. He said 290. And that was a great deal at 290. It was an amazing deal. And my, my mindset is always like negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. That's how I've done well on other deals in the past. So instead of just saying, you know what, this is a great deal. I'll take it. I, I thought of the lowest number that I could think of that would be like almost offensive, but not where he's going to like tell me to just go away. So I think I offered him like 220. Um, and this is like a minute later face to face. And he came down from 290 to two, like 60 on the spot. And then we negotiated in between and I got it at 240. And then I had him sign the papers there and just off market deal. Oh my goodness. That's, that's incredible, man. I want, I want to be there one time when you're negotiating one of these deals. That sounds great. <laughs> it's so much better to just do it verbally too. Like let's not bother with all this paper and email yeah. and stuff. Let's just get face to face and let's just shake hands and, and write up it, a contract. It was a 10 minute conversation. We wrote up the contract and we closed yeah. on it 30 days later. And so the one thing that I do want to say is that the, the, the guy, the student, the guy that I went with um, to go look at this duplex, I got this property under contract. He was the first guy that I called and asked him if he wanted to partner with me on it because um, yeah. I felt like it was the right thing to do because I wouldn't have met this guy yeah. if I never met him. And um, we went through the whole process of getting it financed. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to get the financing on it. And I ended up, I was going to close on it on myself, but I ended up partnering with somebody else on it. So somebody else reaped the rewards of that deal too. So you're JVing a lot of stuff out now for mortgage qualification purposes, I'm guessing. Yeah, I wasn't working. I couldn't buy it. Cause you're, yeah, you're getting, you're, you're getting too many in your own name, right? Yeah. 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 And I didn't even have a job at the time. I was laid off. Okay. You have a job again now? No. So I, I got laid off last year in February. And what happened was I had my third daughter in September and I had already told my boss the, like before that, like several months before that in September, I'm going to be taking a year and a half off because my wife hasn't worked for several years. Um, so I want to take advantage of it. I want to take a year and a half off if I can, um, because we're allowed to do that. So what ended up happening was I got laid off that rolled into 
my paternity leave, and then now I'm off for almost, I've been off for almost two years. Oh, okay. Well, can't argue with that. You're obviously getting stuff done. So what are you thinking? Go back to work or just realtor it up and, and go that route? Um, so I, I promised, I promised my, uh, my boss where I was working, he knows that I'm doing all the real estate stuff. And I promised him, he called me during, during my paternity leave and he asked me if I'm coming back and I promised him that I'm going to come back. So I'm, I am going to be going back to my IT job uh, next year for, I don't know how long, but I'll be there. I will be there. You should keep an open dialogue with him. That's, yeah. uh, that's interesting. I mean, I just can't see why, why, why you should do that. But I, I guess if you enjoy it, because you have, you have so much going on, you're making so much you know money off of what you're doing here. I think I could be wrong, but I think your portfolio is more than enough to support you at this point. Is it not? Yeah. So it's supporting our lifestyle now. Um, I think this is more of like, uh, I, I gave somebody my word and yeah. uh, they re- they really no, actually do appreciate me at, at the workplace and yeah. I wanted to follow through. Oh, no, I agree with you completely. If you give somebody your word, you know, at very least you want to talk to them if you want to change your mind, but you don't just, yeah, don't just go back on your word. I, I, I'm with you there. Yeah, um, I might renegotiate. I might try to renegotiate. Like I won't work maybe the same hours or yeah. maybe I'll try to renegotiate where I can work remotely a little bit more. But um, yeah, it's honestly a great place to work. I love my boss. I like the company I work for. It's a small little tight knit yeah. company and um, and it helps with mortgage qualifications. So that um, is the bonus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so we've got some questions here. So uh, I could totally be pronouncing this wrong, but Juan He or Juan He. Um, hi, Sean. I heard that you invested in Sarnia as well. Did you renovate it or not? How did you remotely manage it through a GC or a property manager? I think that's the one you did with Jake, Jacob. Yeah. Or, uh, not yeah. <laughs> Jacob Perez. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that one was, that's just, uh, I got to say, that was like the easiest property that we've purchased and like forgot about it. It's literally a property that we bought and then it's almost like you forget you even own it. So what ended up happening was there was no no renovations. We literally didn't do anything to the building. We just, we we bought this property. Uh, so eight, eight towns, it's a building with eight towns, two story towns for 800,000 in Sarnia, all brick, large lot, um, really good cap rate. I think, I think we bought it at like a 6.8 cap rate and the cap rates are selling in that area for like five point something. So I don't know what kind of value it puts on it, but it's around 1.2, I think, right now. So we've we've made a lot of equity on that property. And um, that property, we didn't do anything. We literally handed it off to property management. So, so let's say we bought it in uh, like February, March of last year. We hired the same property management that was in place. And we haven't talked to them for like almost a year. I don't know if, is that a good thing <laughs> or a bad thing? No, that's, that's an amazing good. thing. Well, I mean, you, you might want to pop in every once in a while just to see what's going on. But I mean, that's awesome. Um, yeah. This so is like it. a lesson. This is a lesson in crushing it. Like every time I talk to you, it's just like, oh yeah, I just smashed out this massive burr or this, <laughs> this great deal. Um, I really do think mindset's a huge part of it with you because uh, you, you got your mind in the right place. Um, yeah, man. It is. It is. Mindset's everything. And like, I, I want to talk about mindset because like, I really like talking about mindset mm-hmm. because I think that people, people get confused with investing in real estate, making passive income, making uh, big decisions, you know, investing a lot of money or maybe investing all of your money and like taking on all these risks and things like that. But the reality is, is that if you get your mindset right, if you get over the fear 
that you have of making these decisions and you trust in yourself because you connect yourself with other people that are doing it and trust themselves. Yeah. You will win. You will do yeah. it. Do you find like sometimes like you feel like you, you know, almost everything you need to know, you're not quite no. sure, but you just, no. you just need to go anyway. You don't even oh. feel like, you know, almost what you need to know. No, 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 no. Like no way. Action? No way. <laughs> oh no. Like I, I, a lot of the times it's, it's like the, it's like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then if there's a problem, I just trust myself. I'll figure it out. I will figure yeah. it out if there's a problem, but I'm going to go for it because mm-hmm. I believe in myself enough. And that's where the mindset comes into play where, because you believe in yourself enough to execute on something that might be scary to most people, but you're willing to do it and yeah. you'll reap the rewards because you're the one who's willing to do it. But what, and this is a question that we got on, on the, uh, the question feed here. And it's, it's on, it's on the, uh, the line of questioning I wanted to ask you. So what motivates you from a, on a specific deal deal per deal basis like what do you look at as being okay that deal's worth my time like what what does that deal need to have in it as potential for you to say yes even if i don't know everything i need to know i'm going to go for it yeah so when when i first started because there's an evolution when you first start the most important thing is that it cash flows the most important thing is that it's making you money and it's putting money in your pocket, right? And this goes back to the basics and fundamentals of an asset and a liability. If it's not putting money in your pocket every month, then you're not winning. And that's how I thought about everything. And that's how I grew my portfolio to the point of where it was or it is now. And then you evolve because you don't necessarily care so much about a hundred, 200, $300, $400, $500 a month. And you care more about your return on your time because then your time becomes more valuable. So then what you look for is what is the best asset I can invest in that requires the least amount of my time? Okay. And what are you, what would fall into that category for you? Well, I'm not even there yet. I'm not at that point yet. Mm. I'm still, man, I'm still, I'm still ready to buy a house that needs tons of renovations. And if I need to go there and I need to like, you know, sleep on a mattress like you did or sleep in your car, I'll do it. I'm still there. Like I, I'm not, I'm not past that, you know, like, but, but the reality is, is like, if you wanted to invest in something like that, where you want the return on time, then you're just going to buy something that is either somebody else is going to deal with the headaches. So somebody else is going to, you'll be the money partner. Somebody else will be the active partner, right? Or you buy a property that you have a team in place and you have a system in place and you don't have to deal with it. Your team is going to handle it right or you buy a property that is already cash flowing and is maybe a compressed cap rate so instead of buying something at a six or six not a seven but let's say a five and a half six and a half cap rate that needs tons of work you'll just buy something that's like three and a half four cap rate that doesn't need a lot of work yeah yeah eventually you'll graduate and you'll just you know that's okay it's just hard to make a four cap work with cash flow whatsoever i I found that those are those are really tough to do um, so we did have another question here. Yeah. So just the, the, what motivates you both. So I think you shared quite a bit of it there. Is there anything else you want to add to that? Like overall, what, what's motivating you? Yo, my, my, my motivation, like a hundred percent, it goes back to my kids, man. Like yeah. I didn't, I didn't start any of this 
like my mindset. I didn't start working on myself. I didn't start, you know, really educating myself on how I can become a better person until I had kids. And once I had kids, I realized like this life isn't even about me. It's about what I can do for my kids, what I can show them, how I can educate them, how I can leave a legacy for them. And all of that stuff was what got me into this and got me motivated to like actually invest and to grow and to become a better version of myself every single day. So my motivation, like 1000% is my kids. Wow. That's, that's amazing to hear. So you didn't really feel like you had that motivation before it really kicked in once you had them. No. Yeah. A hundred percent. I didn't have, I didn't have any of that motivation. That's, that's interesting to hear. Um, okay. So, so for my, my standpoint, my motivation initially was just like pain. Like I was just like, <laughs> I'd struggled a lot actually early on, uh, even though I bought a couple of properties. So for me, I knew what it was to struggle. It was kind of like do or die. And that's why I slept on the mattress, slept in my car, did whatever it took to uh, make it happen. I think you sold sneakers, you know, we do what we got to do. Yeah. And, uh, that's a real story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you shared it last time. I listened to our last episode so I could remember all the things we talked about. Um, so, so you, you kind of do what you got to do. And then I hit this, this point of um, success with it. And I actually kind of got a little unmotivated. I'm like, well, that was a lot of work. Like, I don't want to do that again. Uh, and then it kind of got fun. Like I brought in my, uh, my former business partner and, and we started just crushing it together and it just became fun. Like it was kind of like a, you know, a way to bro out and make money at the same time. And, and exactly. And that, that like, became fun on its own. And, yeah. You just hit the nail on the head. So yeah. this is, this is where part of the evolution also comes is in the beginning, it feels like it's like you go through the stage where it's like work and grinding and hustling and hustling and hustling. And then you where where I feel like I'm going now, especially with this like belief stuff, what I'm doing here this is fun for me. Like I really enjoy going around and like going to like beaches and checking out plots of land near beaches or like beachfront, beachfront parcels or whatever. And like looking and imagining and envisioning what I can build, what I can do and how this could give me a return on my lifestyle and a return on my money. And that's fun. That's a lot of fun for me. I love envisioning the deal. That was, that was like my favorite thing. I would love talking to the engineer. Like, it's like Lego, you know, like, how are we going to do this? Like going to the house, like, Oh, we got to carry that load down. We got to make this roof line work or whatever. Like we're going to put an addition on and yeah, there was a lot of work involved and I didn't love that part as much. I love the, like the final product and I love the planning of it. And uh, you know, so you, you kind of find enjoyment in there. I, I know I did. Uh, but if you want to crush it, like Sean's crushing it, uh, you know, a motivation like kids or, or you know, something you got to be fired up, right? People, I think Tony Robbins says people, people are only motivated by extreme pain or extreme pleasure. And I think with, with kids, yeah. it's like, you know, you want that satisfaction. You want to know that you did what you, you needed to do. Uh, yeah. To and, my, well, and my, my whole thing, Andrew, was that I didn't have anything when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was, that was that like pain point was that I didn't have all of the stuff that my kids are having now. And like, I wish I did. I wish that I had all that stuff, but I didn't have any of that stuff. And that's what kind of motivated me to say, you know what? I need to get out of my comfort zone. I need to grow as an individual and I need to become the best version of myself so that I can give my kids the best that I yeah. can be. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, so Paula uh, Sarnik, I hope I said that right. Uh, Paula, thanks for the question. So um, if... Uh, Okay. So she wrote, if you incorporate, do you need T4 income to qualify for mortgages? Um, so I will field that one. Uh, and then you can add to it if you'd like, Sean, but, um, okay. So how I pay myself out of my companies, I pay myself like a T5 dividend income and I just keep it consistent. So, so as a self-employed that, that actually 
saves me. I'm working with Scotiabank right now on some refis. It saves me from having to actually show them all my financials and everything. Like I literally, I just file my regular taxes with a, with dividend income and they're like, okay, that's good. Yep. So it, it works just the same as employment income uh, for me. Um, so I, ho- I hope that's useful to you, uh, Paula. I don't know if there was anything beyond that you wanted to uh, explain. Do you have a strategy in, in the future that's going to involve something like that, Sean? Well, I have, so I have some corporations set up right now, um, but I, everybody's different, right? So like my, yeah. my corporation, like for example, I became a realtor like 10 weeks ago. I set up a prec for that as a personal real estate corporation. Okay. Um, and it's the same thing. It's like, it's just a corporation. So you can dividend like a, yourself out of that if you want. Yeah. So yeah you can, can, di- you can treat can it exactly that way. Exactly. Yeah. So they'll eventually just look at you. And, and so here's the thing, like putting on the mortgage broker hat guys, like, um, they, they typically want to see two years consistent income. So, uh, you know, when you're first getting going, you're gonna have a small year and then your next year's bigger and they might work with you. I remember like talking to them. I'm like, well, look at my sales. Like I'd convince them. I'm like, I had two okay years and Hey, look at my sales for this year. I'd sometimes they'll get flexible with you. So there are ways to get it done, but, uh, you got to get scrappy in those early years until you show consistent income. If you're, if you're self-employed and you're doing this, um, yeah. Okay. So which markets are you guys actively looking in for burrs and uh, where the numbers are still working? I'll give you a story. Yeah. Yeah. So I I bought in Moncton, New Brunswick, uh, like three months ago. I think it was three months ago. You better have a property manager. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm managing it myself. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, So I bought, I bought that, uh, I think it was like January February. Yeah, it was like February, maybe. Um, that was, and the reason we bought that was because the cash on cash was like better, right? So we, we were getting a better cap rate. So um, I think we paid. So the exact story, true story on this was it was listed for, I think, 324000 325000 we offered 345, 345,000 on a fourplex. So it was a purpose built fourplex in Moncton, nice building, um, fully rented. We offered 345, got it under contract, did an inspection, uh, inspection came back fine, got the appraisal from the bank, bank says it's only worth 325. So we told the seller, we're not gonna buy it unless they can do 325, because that's all the appraisal is for. And the seller just said, okay. So we knocked $20,000 off the, off the price because of the appraisal. And um, we have property management in place. Um, so the play with this one is if you don't know, they don't have the same tenant laws that we have in Ontario. So in New Brunswick, um, you can literally raise the rent to whatever you want, as long as you yeah. give 60 or 90 days notice. So that was the play with that one. So I think the rents were like $600 per unit and uh, we plan to raise them to 950 per unit on each one, which would make us cash like $1,000. Wow. Yeah, I feel like I feel like New Brunswick is a good opportunity. Like if I was still actively looking in Canada right now, I'd be looking at, at New Brunswick and Alberta. I feel like those are two markets that make a lot of sense. To me, Ontario doesn't really make sense right now unless you want to go north to Sudbury, uh, which I think is viable uh everyone's flocking there right now i see all the investors in our community flocking to north bay and sudbury uh driving those prices up driving those cap rates down it's going to happen it was bound to happen um it's just not somewhere i really want to own so i think you know for me i would be more into alberta and then new brunswick um but right now i'm I'm focusing on on uh florida kind of like lining up a a few opportunities in terms of how i want to proceed down here 
uh, I am looking at getting my uh, my visa investor, investor visa. visa. Yeah. yeah, so that I'd be able to uh, stay here more than six months out of the year, and uh, and basically make this my tax home. Uh, there are yep. some advantages to that, and uh, of course, I love Canada, and I always I always want to be able to go home to Ontario in the summer. I love I love summers in Ontario, uh, but we'll see how things shake out. And uh, you know, I, I still have properties back home, and I'm just looking at kind of how I can find deals down here. Uh, there is better opportunity for cash flow down here. Um, oh yeah, the cap rates yeah. are way better there. It's it's getting pushed up though. Ontario's kind of similar or sorry, Florida's sort of similar to like Ontario late 2016, like just really starting to heat up. Yeah. And uh the prices are getting pushed up. I see it even like from two months ago, I see it. Uh just the massive differences. But you can still get, you know, a, a nice duplex built in the last two years for in the four hundreds, you know, yeah. on, on city sewer and water, which rent out each side for like maybe 1600. So like the numbers are okay, but when you pay the higher financing, it gets a little tricky. So, um, for me, it probably inquire, you know, include some sort of strategy to, to do a burr to make them work. Right. I'm not, I'm probably not just going to buy, you know, purpose built and, um, but it's not easy to just start from scratch. You really have to set down groundwork. So for me, I've just been going to investor meetups and, and doing all that stuff. And, and, uh, really, you know, even golfing with investors, I did that last week. So it's, it's starting, you know, this is kind of how, how you dig your, your roots into a, a new market for me. Anyway, I know we, we don't have that luxury in Ontario or in Canada right now to, to go to live networking, but uh, how, how would you like, how would you finance something there? And, and the reason yeah. I'm asking is because I have, had a condo under contract uh like two weeks ago in panama city beach and it fell through literally on the last day they told me they can't finance it because of all the properties i have really okay um well you can always do like kind of semi-private like you can you can work with a td uh us branch or uh or uh, the rbc but i believe that even td caps you out at four properties and they include what you own at home so yeah uh, so they'll just say no so what you can do like if you work with a good mortgage broker down here i've heard a lot of people talk around you know six percent is something that you should be able to do uh as far as an interest rate goes so it's, it seems to me like there's a lot of options. I've spoken with a few people who have said, yeah, 6% is doable. Even for me, without a social security number, or any of that, that's still, they'd still be willing. But that's a lot different from the, you know, the 2% at home. So you got to make those numbers work. Yeah, I got to do some more research. That was with RBC that they backed out last yeah, the, minute and uh, it was a good deal. The Canadian banks likely just aren't going to uh, work unless you at home don't own in your own personal Hang on, I'll, I'll switch this over. Uh, yeah. If I, if in we have Canada, another you'd... question here. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Paula was thinking in reference to Sean mentioning he couldn't qualify for the fourplex mortgage. If he had enough income from his portfolio, what held it back? Um, yeah, that's actually a pretty good question. So when banks look at your portfolio income, they're not they're not using a hundred percent of rental income. Most banks are only going to use a percentage. So depending what bank you're with, they might say, okay, well, it's 50% from this one. Um, yeah, like every bank has different rules, but if you're making $10,000 a month in rental income, the banks might only use $5,000. So that's, that's basically it. Right. And, uh, it's crazy because you can show, you can literally show a bank, like I have enough money to buy this house cash five times over and it may still not qualify. you. Yeah. Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky with uh, every different bank. So, so Scotia Bank, they'll they'll do like each property on its own. I think they do 
they'll count 50% of your income and they, they count that against your mortgage and property tax. And as long as there's a surplus there, that property is a wash and it's not included. So uh, whereas other banks, like you said, they'll use a different number, um, different qualification rates. So um, yeah, it really depends. But one thing I would say to that question, Paula, is that if you work with a credit union, sometimes they're a little bit more flexible on that kind of thing. And they actually might consider your portfolio income and actually use that. They might, even if it's from real estate, I know a guy who bought 10 properties without a job and uh, just living off of his rental income and uh, they were okay. But then they tapped him out after 10. They were no good after that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally depends. Every single scenario is different. Um, There's been, there's been cases where I purchased a property, let's say, and then the property uh, cash flowed well enough that immediately after I bought that property and I refinanced it and I was getting the cash flow and I can prove that I got the cash flow, I immediately was able to purchase another property for more than I was approved for before because the cash flow was so good. Because it added cash flow back. Yeah, it's like getting a raise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the traditional way uh, the banks qualified was they would take 50% of the income from your property and then they would add 100% of the expenses from the property to your application which yeah. is, is basically like application suicide unless your property yep. generates like 3% rule. It, you know, and, and that was kind of like <laughs> yeah. the bank's way yeah. of, of excluding most applicants without saying no. See, banks don't like to say no so much. They'll usually just set the, the qualification so difficult that no one qualifies. And if, yeah. if you're a crazy scenario that does qualify, they're like, oh, he makes a lot of money. We'll, we'll, we'll take a risk. So uh, that's what <laughs> yeah. I noticed in my time in, in you know, the banking world, uh, mortgage brokering world is that, very rarely is it a yes and no thing. It's it's more often a, a really extreme, difficult qualification thing, uh, which I would just prefer they be straight. Hey, we don't do this business anymore. But no, they just, in the contractor world, we call it F off pricing. Like they give you a price. <laughs> they give you a price that's like, a, kind of like telling you to F off. But if you're crazy enough to pay the price, they'll take the business. <laughs> sure, we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> what? You said yes? <laughs> so contractors don't, don't really say no. Some of them will say we're too busy, but a lot of them will just say, well, we're busy right now, so we could do that job for. And uh, some of them, I just laugh at them. I'm like, no, really, what's the price? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, Sean, where do people reach you if they want to, uh, if they want to connect with you or follow your journey? Um, best place to connect is going to be Instagram. So Sean Rea, S H A W N R E A. Um, so Instagram, Facebook, same thing. And, um, you can reach out to me through my website, but it's like, it's, it's kind of outdated. Uh, it's reaig.com, but I would just do Instagram or Facebook. That's the easiest way for sure. Yeah. It seems to be uh, the easiest for everyone these days. Um, and then any words of wisdom? I know we've shared a lot here, uh, but anything you'd like to share with, uh, the people who are continuing to watch, uh, and then of course we'll have our, our replay and the audio version as well. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to give the same advice that, uh, same advice that I give to like my eight year old is that no matter what, whenever you're making decisions and you feel that you have that fear of failure, if you push forward and you get past that fear of failure, no matter what, something good will come out of it. Whether you're learning something through failing or whether you're successful. So the one thing that you have to get in your head is that failing is okay. Mm -hmm. And if you can get past that, you're going to be okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, failing is okay as long as you can control your downside. You just gotta you gotta make sure you got a plan, plan B yeah. maybe, plan C. Yeah, um, that's my approach, anyways. But I appreciate yeah. that. 
John, that was awesome. And uh, thanks to everybody who, who was attending. I, uh, I like these. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Andrew, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, round three is great. It's always great having you on, Sean. I'm sure it won't be the last time. Thanks, Andrew. Okay, so we're going to end this stream. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks. I'll see you on the next one. <laughs>